and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Wednesday morning. Uh, I, for the first time in almost three years, gents, am Ooh. in my hometown of Akron, Ohio, on the road. Sorry for you. Wow. <laughs> Even I was too um, polite to make that joke. Um, listen, yeah, Akron, is a great place to, Akron is a great place to be from. Joining us from Dallas, Texas. You mean as long as you don't stay? I said Akron's a good place to be from. Uh, is That's Ban McMahon. I, I don't know if you're banned in Akron, but I think I've got the clout to get you banned if you want. Nah, I think you did before the decision, and then they, they turned on your brother. <laughs> so I'll give you a howdy, partners, and uh, <laughs> politely disagree. All right. Why, why, what, what did I have to do with the decision? I didn't have anything to do with it. Hey, you don't um, got to convince me, but uh, the the folks in the hometown, you know, they've got they've got the pitchfork still, I believe. I think it was Good farming I don't community. Think, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Akron had the same venom as Cleveland. Um, just for the record, but we're not. Well, you you had that. already ditched Akron to go to the big city paper anyway, so <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, Joining us from Boston, Massachusetts, is a guy who actually spoke at his hometown high school graduation this year. He's very welcomed in his hometown. I was going to say, if one of us is, if one of us is, if one of us grew up on a farm in a farm town, I would say it's me. So, graduating graduating class of three, he was the third one invited to speak. That's that's exactly right. (laughs) Bon Temps actually grew up on a farm. McMahon went to a boarding school. I will not stand for persecution about Akron, Ohio. That's all I'm going to say. You know what? Uh, I found out my boarding school, uh, the football program went kaput. You said this last week. You're now having senior moments. Yeah, man. I told, well, now you know, have, we now have multiple senior moments on the podcast. It's, di- it's disappointing, though. I'm, I'm like in shock. How do you not consult a famous alum when you make these kind of decisions? Right. Well, I'm sure if you were willing to offer to pay for the program, I was going to say probably open. probably has to do with my generous contributions. Yeah. And <laughs> You've got to be very careful <laughs> trying to influence uh, schools who know that you're a public figure. Uh, I speak from uh, from uh, experience on that. All right. So this week, so we have training camp starting in a uh, in a week. Bond temps will be going to 76ers uh, opening training camp. What's going that, on that, there? That's not a secret. Bon, bon Timps will be. Ben Simmons won't be. That, that's, <laughs> that's right. Correct. What a loss uh, for the 76ers. That, is. Jeez. <laughs> that ain't the I trade they're going, trying to make. Definitely I'm not. Going, I'm going to Nets opening of training camp, um, which Sean Marks revealed to uh, Bon Temps yesterday that um, won't include some players because hmm. they're not fully vaccinated. And um, Sean, well, Bon Temps, what was your report on that? Well, that's that's partially right. So Sean Marks said yesterday when I asked him if all of his players could practice as of yesterday because of the uh, New York City vaccine mandate, which says that to work out in any kind of gym, including Barclays Center or Madison Square Garden, you have to have at least one COVID-19 shot. Uh, He said there were obviously a couple guys on the team who would not be interesting to participate. Obviously, obviously. No, very. No, I would not say. Did, very, did he say, did he say, do you word. want to guess who he did not steer <laughs> uh, clear that, that, yeah. that being said, the nets have a little bit of wiggle room here because they're actually holding training camp in San Diego and playing the Lakers. Uh, I think a week from Sunday. Uh, so they're not going to even be in New York until the following Tuesday or Wednesday for practice. 
and they don't have a regular season home game for over a month at home. So they have some time here to get this sorted out. And Sean Marks did say uh, for the record that he does not anticipate this being a problem once the regular season begins, but well, he also certainly be something to monitor as we go. He also anticipated having Kyrie and, and Harden uh, extended by now. So and he did express optimism about that, but they are not done, but they are not done yet. Hey, listen, maybe everything will be fine. Maybe on opening night, everybody will have their extensions and everybody will have their vaccinations and everybody will be playing. And if that happens, it'll be great. And we'll focus on basketball, but they are not. A, all listen, the, the, the nets are, I think clearly the favorites to win the championship and it will be nonstop drama, much of it unnecessary, all season long. Right. It's just a dramatic team. And, Safe bets uh, all the way around. And McMahon, you are going to Mavericks. Uh, start I'm going to Mavericks. Texas. I might make a quick trip down to Galveston, Texas, to to check in on the uh, on the little rockets that could um, some point next week. But you know how our bosses do getting back on on travel requests. All right, settle down. Okay, so um, we're about ready to get to get hog wild into this, but um, as we're starting the season, um, Bontemps had this idea, and I liked it, which is rare. Um, he he said that you know we should take a look at some of the guys in the league this year who are swing players, who depending on how they play could really affect how things go for their teams, um, and. There are quite a few, and this really could, you know, this could affect a lot of the way things, um, you know, go this year. We don't know necessarily where a guy is going to be really good and elevate his team or not be as good and pull his team down. So, um, Bontemps, I'm going to let you pick one to start off with, and we're going to go around here. Um, but this um, this is an interesting topic. Yeah, I mean, we might as well start with the team we're just – talking about sort of and where I'll be on Monday with Philly and the two guys there that I think both qualify for this are Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey. Now Tyrese Maxey is obvious in that he's the second year guard who had some pretty impressive moments as a rookie at times, looked really good in summer league. And with Ben Simmons out for who knows how long as he goes into this holdout is all but certainly going to step into the starting lineup and we'll have a lot of eyes on him as Philly tries to, you know, be a pretty good team without Ben to try to you know, prevent any additional pressure on them from having to make a move before they want to. And then Tobias Harris is a guy who is in on multiple occasions thought he should be an all-star last year, thought he should be an all-star, didn't make it. And again, if Philly's going to keep their heads above water without Ben, they're going to need Joel Embiid to be healthy and playing like he always does. And they're going to need one or both of those guys to step up and play um, at a high level to make up for Simmons's absence. You know, I, I, I think Maxi much more so than Tobias Harris because we, I, I feel like we know what Tobias Harris is. Um, he is a good player. A, a, you, I'll go with very good, but he, he's, not a, he's not a franchise cornerstone. He's not an all-star. He's not a superstar. Um, you know, honestly, if he's your second best player, boy, Embiid better be MVP for the, for the Sixers to be uh, in, in the title picture. Whereas Maxi is a guy who, and, and you know, we'll see when the Ben Simmons saga uh, ends, what they get back in return, whether there's you know a, a starting caliber point guard uh, coming back in that pack, whatever. Maxi, regardless, I think is going to have to play a major role, if not a starting role, a, a major role after being kind of a bit player 
last year, and you, and you certainly saw flashes. Um, I believe he was a teenager last year, so I mean, there's plenty to be encouraged about. But to me, he's the he's the great unknown there. Where I feel like Harris, we know what he is. So the the Simmons, but every every executive that I talk to right now says to me, "What are you hearing on Ben Simmons?" And I'm not getting a lot of information from them, which which uh, is uh, there's a lot of talk about it right now. I don't know if there's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're going to see a fresh level of action when training camp starts next week. And Bon Temps is there asking tough questions, which he does. Something interesting. Woj mentioned yesterday, sort of almost in passing in his report that Simmons was definitely not going to report that the 76ers could withhold salary um, from Ben. And, and that seems obvious if you're not, you know, playing, you should withhold salary. But as we've talked about at the end of next week, October 1st, Ben Simmons is due a payment of $8.25 million based on his contract. He gets 25% in July, 25% August or October 1st. And Bobby Marks has said, and I think with grounded reality here, that if it were his front office and ownership that he's worked for, that ownership wouldn't make that payment. And that this is an unprecedented situation because it's Mm. unusual to have a contract structured like this. And it's obviously unusual to have a player completely holding out um, uh, with this type of situation. So, <laughs> you know, they can find him, you know, they can nickel and dime, find him. And then eventually as you get into, you know, week two, three, the fines will increase. But if they don't give him that money next week, which I have to say, if I was the owner, I would be like, well, he's not fulfilling his end of the contract. He's not here. So why should I fulfill mine? The owner, the, the Sixers would absolutely be in breach of, um, of, 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 of contract. And Ben could take them to arbitration, which is what's laid out in player contracts and say, you owe me this money. But the arbitration process takes like nine months. So that could be a, and again, I'm not worried about Ben Simmons missing a mortgage payment, but I'm just saying it would be an interesting salvo that I think will only increase. And the fact that this is the discussion that we're hearing in the league, which is what are the salvos that Simmons and the Sixers can do each other about money is not to me an indication that this is getting near resolution. This is like a divorce where we're just getting going in the process where they're throwing, uh, starting to throw mud. You know, you, you, you see ugly divorces and nobody ends up happy except for the lawyers. And, you know, obviously this isn't necessarily a situation where, well, maybe lawyers will get rich. If what happens is what you're talking about. But my point is, I think when, when the, this thing is finally resolved, whenever that may be, and it feels like later than sooner is, is probably when, uh, I don't think anybody's going to be happy. And I definitely don't think Daryl Morey is going to be happy uh, in terms of getting anything close to what, frankly, seems to be a pretty unreasonable asking price uh, for a, a guy who is a, an all-star but not a superstar. And this is the ultimate sell-low situation. Well, and the other thing to remember here is that this is the first time this has ever happened, and that's why there's a lot of chatter about what the Sixers will do financially as far as Simmons' money and all of this other stuff because this is going to set precedence going forward if this right. happens again. So that's well, that's a big part of why there's so much interest in how exactly everybody handles this thing. So, But the, but the thing about it is the concept that, that the Sixers are operating under is that they can fine him into coming back to the team, and I don't think that's going to be the case. 
yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to find him back into it. And well, remember, we'll just because they announce that they find him and then that they don't actually pay him doesn't mean that later on he can't get that money back, mm-hmm. either as part of a negotiation to return to the Sixers. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. So, um, okay, uh, Bon Temps, uh, or I mean uh, McMahon, who do you have? Uh, you know, at the top of your list for a, a swing player this year? Let's go with. We'll go to Madison Square Garden, and the newcomer to the Knicks, Kimball Walker. Which you know, I think it, it's pretty clear cut. They had a uh, they had a pretty significant need for another playmaker. He had a significant need not to play a second for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, he was able to come back home. Um, I'm sure he's got a little bit of a, of a chip on his shoulder based on the way things ended, uh, in Boston. And, you know, honestly, I I think this one's pretty simple. If he's healthy, I think he can really help the Knicks, but that's a big if. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, look, he, he last year, I think got a little bit too much criticism for how he played. Um, the Celtics, like a lot of teams were surprised with how quickly the season resumed. They thought he was going to, it was going to come back in mid January. So he was on a knee strengthening program that had him ready to come back in mid January. And then the season started a month early. Um, so he missed the first few weeks of the season, but when Kemba Walker was on the court last year, he averaged 19 and five. He was pretty good. I mean, he wasn't necessarily a max player good, but he was good. And now he's getting paid $9 million a year. So if he can give the Knicks that kind of production, he's going to give them a huge boost to their offense. And for a team that we saw play the Hawks in the first round and really struggled to score, you add him and Evan Fournier as your new starting backcourt, probably your offense is going to be a lot better. They're going to play defense under Tibbs. I think the Knicks have a chance to be pretty darn good again this year. Yeah. So um, considering that the, that the Knicks added Kemba you know, to it, to that team. And then they have Derek Rose stable there as the backup. Um, even if Kemba can't play certain games, they have to feel a lot better about their point guard position. And, you know, maybe Kemba is not going to be that. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, Kemba was voted in as a starter to the all-star game. Um, maybe he's not going to be that player with his knee. He was also but, getting boxed and won by the Raptors in the second round of the playoffs and demolished Joel Embiid and the Sixers in the first round that first year in Boston. Uh, yeah, in the bubble. So he had he he he. It was not long ago that he was seen as a, a star player. And look, he obviously had the knee issues that kept him out of the end of 
that first round series against the Nets and the knee issues hung over him all last year. But it's a lot different when you're making 39 million than when you're mm-hmm. making nine. And I think I know, it's, it's, that that's the that's the thing. Like if he if he can play anywhere near the level, you know, either level he played last year or higher for the Knicks, that's just a huge boost for them, given they had to give up absolutely nothing to get him. Yeah. So, um, you know, certainly for a team like the Knicks, who the difference between winning 42 games and 47 games potentially is a massive swing to not only their postseason hopes, but the but where their their season is viewed. Kemba might help them win that two or three of those extra games. And if he does that, it will have been a terrific signing. So we'll have to just wait and see how it plays out. But I definitely think he's fits squarely in this uh, McMahon. Well, um, and he's also a guy who he has a pretty strong track record of not just being a scorer, but being a guy who can hit big shots. And, you know, they're going to play a bunch of grinded out sure. type of games, you know, so I, uh, my guess is he will hit some big shots for him to, to, you know, that'll make the difference in two or three games. For sure. So the guy, one of the guys I'm looking at, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I talk about this guy a lot and that's Tyler hero from the heat. Um, the heat have obviously upgraded um, this off season, uh, picking up Kyle Lowry. Um, I still think that they really need a reliable third offensive option because even though Bam Adebayo is a really good multi-talented player. Um, I'm not sure that he can be a difference maker at the end of the games offensively. And we saw basically the last couple of years that when Jimmy was, when Jimmy Butler was playing and healthy and he was able to be an offensive difference maker, they were a completely different team. And, you know, but Jimmy hasn't, you know, you know, it, you know, hasn't, wasn't healthy last year. And, you know, he, his offense frankly has, you know, he's become more of a defensive playmaker than an offensive playmaker at times. And so they just need a little bit more spark offensively, um, you know, at times. And that that's where hero comes in. He doesn't have to lead them in scoring. He doesn't have to, you know, shoot 48% from three point range, you know, but there are nights when Duncan Robinson doesn't shoot well. And, and there are nights when Jimmy's not, doesn't have it going offensively. They need that guy to, to lift them up. You know, his stats weren't that, far off last season than they were even during the bubble um, when he had a couple of big time games, his overall numbers weren't that far off, but he set the expectation that he was going to improve and grow. And since that didn't happen, it really, you know, get let, let a lot of people down. He also was battling a neck injury and some other stuff during the year. So look, this is his third year. This is the year you prove in the NBA that you're going to get paid Um, he needs to do that. He doesn't, you know, have to be great, but he needs to be very good. And that to me is a big factor in the Eastern conference. What Tyler hero does his his stats actually ticked up from his rookie year, but not from the bubble. And, you know, people, I think as you indicated that the bubble kind of felt like it was a springboard for Tyler hero. Um, you know, we will see over the long haul, whether the bubble was, was just kind of a, you know, his shining moment, his exception, whether maybe he was a, a bubble star, uh, as they say, perhaps a, a young man who benefited from the lack of distractions in the bubble. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But then he had a, a certain Instagram model join him in the bubble uh, who, by the way, I believe they now have a child together. Congratulations. Um, but she joined him in the bubble uh, and he continued to play well. So who knows? 
look, I, I mean, yeah, this this to me is very simple. If Tyler Hero is anything like the player he was in the bubble, then the Heat have a real weapon. And if he's not, I mean, it's a big disappointment for them. I mean, it's that it's that simple. Like he he was a difference making player for them there in a way that he just wasn't last season. And frankly, he wasn't during uh, the regular season in Miami before going there like that, that period of his career totally stands out. And to your point, Brian, we'll see this year where he's going to be in a six man role off the bench where he's going to have to ball in his hands a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can he produce like that? Or is he just kind of a, you know, nice scoring guard who is a rotation player and that's it, which certainly isn't a bad player. But when you talk about guys who could be swing guys, like for a Heat team that thinks it can compete with Brooklyn and Milwaukee, they need Tyler Hero to be the version he was in the bubble if they want to make that well, kind of it's a, a difference run to the for him. It's again. a difference. It's a difference between making like twelve or fourteen million a year and making like twenty five million a year. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mean, regardless, so that's what should be on his plate right now. That's right. Yeah. That's regard right. like Hero is a high quality late lottery pick right now. He's he's already proven that. The question is 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 he going to be an absolute steal, you know, I mean, is he going to be, I mean, Donovan Mitchell was, it was a late lottery pick. Devin Booker was a late lottery pick. You know, can they were all the 13th pick, all three of those guys. Yeah. Can he vault himself? You know, if, 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 if in doubt with a late, within 13th pick, pick a guard who went to college and what pick was bam. Wasn't he like about, he was, he was, he was 14. Yeah. Um, but you know, just to kind of put into perspective, what, uh, the expectations were and what the buzz was around hero, uh, a year ago, I'm pretty certain that the Rockets had more interest in Hero as a potential. I mean, it would have been Hero plus a hell of a lot more, but Hero was a potential centerpiece in the Harden package than they did Ben Simmons. Well, look, and, a year ago this time, Brian would have rather had Tyler Hero than Lamelo Ball. And I mean, ooh, I'm not, ooh, I'm not even saying bring, that. I'm not, I'm stuff. not. Be, well, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to make too much fun of him. But I yes, think that is. they're. I think I said too much. Uh, but I, I don't think you were alone in thinking that was the case. Like he, he really lifted himself to a pretty high place with his play in the bubble and LaMelo ball's came, shooting, shooting look was yeah. horrifying coming. I know, but NBA. I'm just he saying much saying, better. He ended up being LaMelo, much better. LaMelo was really good last year and surprised people with how he played to a degree and hero disappointed. And so let's see, you know, I, you know, to your point, I think, you know, last year he shot, you know, 31%. In the playoffs from three, he Ouch. shot 36. He shot 36 from the field uh, or 36 from three during the regular season. Um, you know, he just I mean, he was in, he was a solid player, um, but people weren't talking about him being a solid player coming out well, of the bubble. He, so. he, he has that dreaded 10 pounds of muscle. You'll be reading about it. What's he up to um, now? Buck 75. Well, <laughs> again, I'm not going to make too big of a deal of it, but, but, but you're going to see the, the alleged 10 pounds of muscle. I mean, not alleged. He's definitely put on some strength, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll change his game. But uh, okay. Bon temps back to you. Um, I mean, I'll go to Dallas. We'll talk about uh, McMahon's favorite player. Allegedly, according to Brian, Chris <laughs> asked Porzingis. Uh, I mean, this, this guy is the definition of this topic. I mean, For sure. we've talked about it some on the pod. If Porzingis can get back to the player he was when the Mavericks traded for him and he could be a true um, second star with Chris Tass- or with Luka Doncic, you can make a case. I think that Dallas could make the NBA finals this year. Uh, and if he is not that player, all of a sudden this team, which traded a couple first round picks for him, uh, is looking at Luka Doncic and a bunch of role players. And they're paying Porzingis $30 million the next couple of years. And they're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, that's if, if that's really the that's really the swing case. Is it is can this team really compete for the finals or are they going to sort of be a team that's treading water in the first round, no matter how good Luke is, because the supporting cast just isn't good enough around him. And Porzingis is the one guy who's really got a chance to leap up and be a difference making player for them in that group. Yeah. And the, and the swing, there's a lot of stuff going on with Porzingis to me, you know, it's, it's not just about his health, which is obviously a huge, if it's, it's not even just about his production, but just like the, the vibe between him and Luca last year was not good. And I think that's one thing that Rick Carlisle was particularly ill-equipped to deal with because the vibe between Rick and Porzingis wasn't good. The vibe between Rick and Luca wasn't good. So how the hell is he going to manage the vibe between those two when they both you know, aren't, aren't on the same page with him? But that's got to get right. And I, I do think some of that's on Luca just to like, – you understand the situation. You have the ball in your hands. You know, you got to feed – you got to feed ego sometimes as a point guard. It's just the way it is. But – for all the focus on Porzingis's offense, if if he's a guy who averages twenty and ten, which he's pretty close to last year, and, and insufficient, and he's a plus defensively, okay, he was so bad defensively last year. And you know, you talk about Kimba having the, the timetable thrown him off, coming off of a of an injury. You know, Porzingis was coming off the surgery again. They thought it was going to be a mid January start. It wasn't. He wasn't ready for the start of the season. He he hurried back. He was limping around on one leg and was an absolute bullseye last season. If Porzingis is terrible defensively, the Mavs are the Mavs are stuck being a, a pretty good team with no clear pathway to, to getting a whole lot better. If he can so, be what he was the previous year defensively, then Bomb Timps, I think you're right. I think they're a sleeper threat in the West. One year from now, training camp 2022. Will Porzingis be a Dallas Maverick, uh, McMahon? Man. Uh, I'm not expecting you to have like an ironclad answer. I'm just telling you, in my mind, it's a question. Yeah, it's a, it's a, well, it's an, yeah, it's I an think we'll know. Question. I think we'll know. I think, I think that's an answer we'll know in, in April, right? Like, I mean, I think, I, I think until we see what he looks like this season, I think it's hard to know. But if he isn't good enough, then, you know, you, the, I would say the odds are that he won't be. Well, you know, but I mean, but but I I might even go the other way. Like right now, you can't trade Kristaps Porzingis because you're going to get. Well, back. you could. Well, well you uh, could. Yeah. Not but, not not as a team with with aspirations right. to become a contender, no. right? No, but I will say Porzingis, this: when I when I talk to league executives, Porzingis is kind of on the watch list. Oh, for sure. Of but, like you know, is this guy going to become available? I mean, he actually, he's, not, he, well, he probably could be available man, now. Not, you know, right. But, but to your point, McMahon, if he doesn't have a good year, you're trading him for other new, you know, neutral value, maybe for other guys that aren't that impressive or something. You're not right. It's not you're not turning him into pieces. You need to to compliment Luca to be a, a, yeah. you know, a title contending team in the West. I that, shouldn't say you can't difference. trade Porzingis now. What I will say is you can't trade Porzingis if you plan on becoming a contender anytime soon, because he either needs not to unless be, you've got some sort of sorcery or some guy that you like that. You know, right. Nobody else. He's their yeah. he's their path. He's their path to it. He either has to be that that legit co-star, contender caliber co-star, which he showed flashes of. Um, you know, you look at a 21 game span late in his first year of the Mavericks, he's averaging 27, 11, two blocks, you know, 47 from the floor, 37 from three. Like there's that player that we've seen, but you know, 21 games is is a pretty small sample size. You need to see that over 
70 games that he'll probably play in the regular season. But he's either got to be that legit co-star or the ticket to uh, a legit co-star. And, and right now, the first is a hell of a lot more likely than, uh, than the second based on his value, his contract. All that. And I'll say this. At the end of last year, Porzingis wanted to be traded. I, my understanding is he is ready for a he, – he, he feels like he has a fresh start with the coaching change and that you know mm-hmm. he's had the healthy offseason. He's been able to work uh, not just on, on his game but on his body some more, um, you know, that, that he's kind of ha- coming back with a, with a refreshed feel. But, um, you know, at, at the end of last you year – got to love the refreshed feel in September. It's a great thing. There you go. <laughs> But no, at the, at the end of last year, he wasn't going to come out and, and ask for a trade. Yeah, like he, he's smart enough to understand the optics well, of that. And that he he's already do that. done he's, that once. Exactly. <laughs> but at, by the end of last year, when he stood in the corner and, and checked the win for an entire playoff series, he was hoping that the, he would be traded. Uh, from what I gather, he's coming back optimistic now. All right. So, okay, you're up, McMahon. Who's your next guy on the list? Well, we were talking balls. Let's get uh, let's get to the richest ball brother, if not the best ball brother, uh, Lonzo, who pretty much, along with Caruso, has to try to make sure that the Bulls don't give up 165 points per game. <laughs> yeah, when you're making 85 million dollars, you are a core piece, sir. And uh, they gave up, uh, you know, assets to get him, and he was clearly. Job may get, uh, may get charged with tampering too. Uh, to well, get I will also. say that uh, one of the things, again, in talking to league executives in the last week or so, people say, Hey, what do you think is going on with that tampering investigation? You know, the, the league opened it on the Bulls Pelicans deal involving Lonzo and the, um, the Raptors uh, heat deal involving uh, Kyle Lowry it's it's a little bit of an unusual situation. I mean, they opened the investigation in July, so it's been a while. August, um, August, uh, okay, August, okay. Uh, that's right. Free agency was delayed. Um, Masai Ujiri, but it's, been, I believe, but it's been a while. But it's been a while. Masai Ujiri, the Raptors president, I believe, in his press conference a few weeks ago, said that he turned his phone over. That the league asked for the phones, which they warned that they would do when they warned about cracking down on tampering. And um, what's unusual about this is that um, um, the, there was sign and trades. So, you know, the, the Pelicans acknowledged that Lonzo was leaving and traded him. And the Raptors acknowledged that Kyle was leaving and traded him. So you're saying, well, who's the aggrieved party, even if there was tampering, which of course there is in the NBA, these multi-layered deals and negotiations that are tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars don't get done. And uh, tampering is allowed blatant, obvious tampering. The league's going to pretend like, oh no, we can't have, I guess that's true. But so, but so the question that I asked is, well, who's aggrieved? You know, who's the Nobody. aggrieved party? And Pelican what I was told, well, what I was told was, is that the other teams that could have signed Lonzo Ball or could have signed Kyle Lowry um, weren't able to do it because there were prearranged oh. deals. Oh, yeah. They didn't tamper. Oh, yeah. Hey, the, the, the Mavericks didn't, they didn't have any contact with Kyle Lowry's camp before the sign and trade went down. Trust well, me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, Yes. Yeah, so the, 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 the maybe there will be, 
you know, the Bucks got hit on this and they got hit for a second round pick and a fine. And maybe we will have something like that happen here. And it's like, that's not quite a slap on the wrist, but it's hardly a, you know, I a, suspect uh, the penalty will be more severe in this case because the team's got the players in this scenario. True. And if You're you just right. make it where in talking to execs also, if you just make it where everybody just gets a slap on the wrist, no matter what happens, then why would anybody listen to the rules at all? So, okay. So that's we'll the see. Thing. So if there's be, a lot of people watching to see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to see what yeah, the penalty so the, is. And, and let me just say that Adam Silver, Adam Silver typically does a press conference every summer after the owners meetings, uh, even though we're not in a typical cycle still, uh, this summer they had virtual owners meetings, um, and he did not speak to the media. Um, this week there is a scheduled owners meetings, which is the standard thing, right? The Thursday, Friday, before the start of the season, they have an owners meeting. Um, it was actually, from what I am told, scheduled to be in person in New York. And then recently they decided. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those two. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. I haven't heard whether he's maybe by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have heard that there is going to be a press conference, but if there, if there is Adam Silver will be asked about this tampering investigation and we will, we will um, get a, uh, an update on it, but it will be interesting to see if the bulls have to pay anything more than they did for Lonzo. But the point oh, is, is that Lonzo, right. The point is, is that they're already paying a lot for Lonzo. And so they need him to be really good. Yeah. And, Honestly, I liked Lonzo in New Orleans. I I still so I don't did Zion. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't I don't understand why they were so determined to get rid of him. I mean, it's not just letting him go, you know, uh, because of the the money. Like they were trying to trade him, and I just to me, is Lonzo a franchise cornerstone built around him? No, but I think he's a really really good complimentary player. He's become a very good high volume uh, spot up shooter. You know, he's going to space the floor. Um, he's going to get you out in transition, which really benefited Zion. I mean, all, all the oops. Um, and then I don't know that he's a shutdown defender, but he's at least a quality, uh, you know, he, he's a plus defender. Um, you know, is that $85 million worth? I, I don't know, but I, 
I think on a on a Bulls team loaded with offensive talent, he's at least a good fit. Yeah, I mean, look, they the Bulls are making a big bet on Lonzo being a um, the Bulls are making a big bet on Lonzo being uh, a guy who could take another step and can be a guy who can get them out in transition in in the open court and and can play defense next to Zach Levine and Demar Derozan and you know be a above average starting point guard and. You know, they've gone all in on keeping Zach Levine by getting Lonzo Ball and getting DeMar DeRozan that I mean, and getting Nick Vucevic. I mean, that's that's a big bet by their front office. And, and, uh, and uh, of those, so we'll of those three of those three bets, I like Lonzo the best. And I think he makes the most sense in part because he's not <laughs> over 30. He's, he's, you know, he's nowhere near that. He's he's still young and more fits the. Zach Levine. No, he's a real, he, he's definitely a nice fit alongside those guys, especially because his weakest part of his game is creating in the half court. Um, and they've got two and, guys. And they've got two guys that can do that. Now, if he if he could start getting to the foul line some instead of never, mm-hmm. uh, that would really help take his <laughs> game forward a lot. But you know, at this point, it's probably unlikely that's going to happen given the way his free throw shooting has been. But still, like he's a very good player. He's got a chance to be a decent fit there. And for a Bulls team with a ton of pressure on him. You know, Lonzo's play could be a big part in whether they make the playoffs or are sitting home again. All right. So my turn, I think this guy could potentially be the biggest swing player in the league. I, it's taken a while to get to it, but that would be Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Warriors issued a, an injury update, if you will. Um, uh, and basically there is no timetable on Clay. He's not going to start this season. Uh, obviously, he's uh, only roughly a year, you know, less than a year off of torn Achilles. But at some point he's going to be back. And, you know, I, you know, the recently with new techniques, we've seen some guys come off torn Achilles and, and, and also some, um, some women, uh, Brianna Stewart, mm-hmm. uh, came up. Brianna Stewart looks terrific. She looks like she's never missed a beat. Obviously Durant looks like they never missed a beat. I mean, arguably they were the two, uh, stars of the team USA, uh, playing extra time, extra games over the summer on those recovered Achilles. And so I don't know what it's going to be for clay, but if clay is, you know, 75% of old clay, uh, <laughs> the warriors are getting a heck of a player back. And, um, you know, you know, Bontemps, I, I mean, the Warriors. we talked a lot about the warriors being one of the big swing teams in the whole league this year. And a lot of that comes down to what they get from clay and when they get it from them. No question. If Steph is healthy, Draymond is playing at the level he was last year, and Clay is 80% of what he was before, the Warriors are a team like Dallas that could be in the NBA Finals. And if he's not that level player, all of a sudden you're looking at a Warriors team that has got you know Steph and Draymond in their early 30s. Clay, who is getting paid, um, I'm looking it up now, somewhere in the neighborhood of $120 million over the next three seasons after this one. Uh, actually, more than that. He's got $40 million next year. 43 million in 2023-24. Um, so it's just the next two seasons, but still, you're talking about $83 million over the next two seasons for a guy. And if he's not able to play at that all-star level or close to it, that's going to be, that's going to make it very difficult. if not impossible. Well, they've already for paid State to be 80 million and he hasn't played for the last two right. years. Right. That's right. And so, you know, that's the, I, I, the I would piece. say he, he earned that with, uh, he what did, he did during but, the five year final. But it, it, it limited with, you know, it right. hurts it's, to have a $40 million guy in your salary cap, not playing. Well, there's a reason years. why Steph was an MVP, arguably the MVP of the league last year, or certainly at least in the conversation to be that, to earn that honor. And the Warriors didn't make the playoffs. Right. But I mean, it's because they had a $40 million, uh, player who was not able to play. 
and that, and that I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, that's all I was going to say. Like, go go ahead. Yeah, I'm looking at Clay. Let's let's say he comes back Christmas ish, right? And it's not just coming off the Achilles. It's it's two years of being off, two serious injuries. You know, the the ACL and the Achilles, the two years of rust, all that. It's not reasonable to expect him to be anything close to. And I would assume it's not reasonable. But what if he is? Well, I would assume they're going to probably build his his minutes up gradually and all that. I think the the hope for the Warriors should be that Clay is something close to the Clay Thompson we're used to seeing as the playoffs roll around. Well, that's the hope, right? The hope is they that that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping for you know he comes back around Christmas or early January. They build him up over the course of the season. And then by the time they get to the playoffs, those three guys are healthy. The young guys have gotten some uh, development. Maybe they can add a piece during the season and they'll go into the playoffs thinking they've got a shot in a wide open Western conference. I mean, that's yeah. their swing. Player. That's the definition. blueprint. That's right. That's the All definition. Right, we're running, we're running out of time. Bon temps. Next guy. Uh, we'll go probably since this is the last one we'll end up doing. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy that uh, there's a few options here. Could go with Michael Porter Jr. Could go with Jaron Jackson Jr. Could go with Taylor Horton Tucker. But I'm going to go with the guy that McMahon poo-pooed a bit last night when I sent this list to you guys, and that's Donovan Mitchell. I also poo-pooed too hype Tucker, but go on. <laughs> well, I uh, Donovan Mitchell to <laughs> is me, that your is nickname a, for him, or are you? Uh, is that somebody else's nickname? Uh, uh, no, that's, that's a McMahon, McMahon original. Uh, okay. Uh, Donovan Mitchell to me is in a really interesting spot because we saw in that uh, in that series last year against the Clippers that. Uh, you know, without Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers obliterated the Jazz perimeter defense. And I think we talked about this last week on the pod. There was a lot of a lot of chatter about Rudy Gobert getting, you know, put in a in a spin cycle um, with the way the Clippers were playing. But part of the reason that the Clippers were able to do that was that the perimeter defense for the Jazz was abysmal. And Donovan Mitchell came into the NBA as a guy who mm-hmm. was seen as a defense first player and has become an awesome offensive player and has become a way better player than anybody would have ever predicted after the jazz traded up to get him at 13. But if he wants to take that step from going from being an all-star level player to a true MVP caliber player, he's got to become a two-way player. And he just has not been the past couple of years. And I think for Utah, which I think could have the best record in the West again this year in the regular season for them to be a true title contender, I think, Donovan Mitchell has to take that step. And if to me, whether he does or not determines whether Utah's just has another really good season and fall short again in the playoffs, or whether I look at them in a different light than I did going into this last year's playoffs when we get to the playoffs again next spring. I, I, I think that it's fair to say, you know, the, the challenge for Donovan Mitchell now is to become that two-way guy. I mean, his mentor is Dwayne Wade. You've got that example right in front of you. Dwayne Wade was one of the best defensive guards in the league and uh, a go-to guy. Um, I also think it's it's unfair to point to the playoff series against the Clippers. Donovan was playing on one leg. Uh, the fact he averaged 35 in that series is amazing. He wasn't able to jump or move laterally, basically, and he averaged no, and that, 35 and points a game. And that's totally that's totally fair. I should have pointed that out. My point was simply just that the, the Jazz don't have a lot of perimeter defensive options, and they need that to be better, and they don't have a way internally to make it better other than right. him becoming better at that end of the court. Yeah, and, and I don't yeah. think he's a swing player. I think he's going to be a certain type of player, but I do agree they need that, you know, if you're going to win at the highest level, 
you need you need him to be better at that end of the court. Well, and when I poo-pooed Donovan Mitchell as a swing player, I'm like, um, this 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 dude's career playoff average is 28.8 points per game. Like, I think he's established himself. Uh, if if you don't want to call him a superstar, he's knocking on that door. I mean, he is a well. That's to, that's and that's why I think the swing is can he can he can he be a guy that like when Brian said a year from now it's Chris Esprzingis on the um on the Mavericks next year like this week we're doing NBA rank right like mm-hmm. a year from now can Donovan Mitchell be a guy that's in the top ten NBA rank I think if that's the case. I think that Utah's going to feel awfully good about its chances of of breaking through in the playoffs. By the way, and I think how, if, how if loaded not, they probably won't, they probably won't. Well, we have to go in a minute. I would say Michael Porter Jr. Um, when the Nuggets had their full complement of players last year, and they were going, they were starting to show real teeth. Like they mm-hmm. may be able to do it. They obviously are not going to have their full complement for a long time. Maybe almost the whole regular season, depending on Jamal Murray's recovery. But until Jamal Murray gets back, they are going to need some offense and Michael Porter Jr. has got to do it. And Michael Porter Porter becomes an all-star, a true all-star this year, which I think we all agree is possible. Um, You know, the Nuggets, especially if they get Jamal back to your point, are going to be very, very scary in the playoffs. Yeah, he he averaged 17. He he can do it, right? He He averaged he averaged 17 per game in the playoffs, and you know he was efficient. He he wasn't chucking up bad shots. He, he, he's going to have to be a a mid 20 point per game guy, I think, for uh, for the Nuggets to be near the top of the West this season. Yeah, and again, he's going to get his. He's almost certainly going to get a max. And if you sign that contract, you are expected to produce at a higher level. And I realize that that team has a lot of talent, and he he may not have to do that. You know, that may not be his role to score. Well, he's like going to have to without Jamal Murray. I mean, it, yes. that team yeah. that there's not a, you know, he's the clear number two guy with Jokic without Jamal Murray. And, he, and look, even when Jamal Murray comes back for that team to be a true title contending team, like Porter's probably got to be the second best player. So, all right, let's see it. Like, let's you see know, what you can do. And I, I do think there's a fine line. Like he's a guy who I think early on you had to say, Hey, let, let's talk about shot selection. There's a middle ground there between like, he's a guy, tough shots aren't necessarily bad shots for him. There, you know, there, there's a middle ground between just being a chucker and being, uh, being a, a, as aggressive as a guy with his size, talent, and skill should be. Uh, okay. Well, we'll see uh, how that goes. Uh, thanks for listening to Hoop Collective. Um, everybody uh, enjoy their first weekend of fall. And when we talk to you next week, we'll be uh, reporting from training camps. So, uh, Thanks for hanging in there. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.